0: Give me the good stuff,
1: Matt. (laughs) Hey, R3 family. In today's podcast, we talk about will strength training make you bulky? We all, as runners, want to be able to improve, but we don't want to worry about that additional weight or mass. And that's a common concern that we hear about. I'm going to kind of nickname this the mass monster myth. We'll talk about why we really shouldn't worry about this too much, but I will give you some of the pros and even some of the cons and how to make sure that we don't have to worry about too much bulk. And so this is just something that a lot of people have been asking us about. We're talking about this because we know that strength training is important, and there's no reason to to fear the iron. So that's what we're talking about today. First, Chad, how the heck are you, buddy?
0: I'm all right. I would like to um, discuss the elephant in the room now. You just call everybody the R3 family. Yeah. You just got married like seven times.
1: <laughs> we have seven listeners. We have seven. No, I think we have a few more than
0: that. But... Um that's quite an invitation.
1: Oh yeah, yeah for yeah. these folks. Yep. yep, part of the family. Yeah. Well, yeah, cheers. Once you once you're in the family, you can't get out. That's right. I remember that show everybody says Norm. Norm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I
0: used, cheers, I think is still probably the best uh, television sitcom that was ever produced.
1: Yeah, well you had Woody Woody, Woody. was in the show. He Sam. Was, yeah, Sam. Coach. Diane. Oh, I, loved, I loved Coach. He was fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, Coach was fun. He's a good one. I I, I started watching it from the beginning. It's on uh, Netflix. I started watching it from the beginning, I don't know, about a year or so ago, maybe longer than that. And I haven't gotten too far into it. I just watch it every now and again when I have a, a spare moment and want to feel nostalgic and whatever. But man, I, I feel like... I, If I had the time to just sit down and binge the whatever it is, 14 seasons of Cheers that there is, I would do it. I think it's so well written.
1: Yeah, no, it's there's there's, um, a lot of nostalgia in there for me too, but I used to watch that show growing up as a kid Mm -hmm. and never missed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of those shows that you make sure that you're uh, clicking the TV on on time back in the day when you actually had to do that.
0: Yeah, 100%, 100%. (laughs) In fact, what's funny is I just heard a kind of tangential story about Cheers. Uh, A new book has just been written uh, by James Lapine, who's a— a book writer for musicals, and he worked with Stephen Sondheim uh, on this musical called Sunday in the Park with George. It's my favorite musical ever. I'm really excited to read the book. Uh, I think it just came out. I haven't gotten it yet. That's at my favorite rate, musical too. Oh, you shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't even know what a musical is. <laughs> uh, at any rate, uh, Kelsey Grammer, who you may know as Frazier, He had his own show, but he started out as the same character on Cheers. He was in the original, uh, was meant to be in the original production of Sunday in the Park with George. But then at a party for Sunday in the Park with George, he met a television producer that uh, told him that he should come out and audition for this thing called Cheers. And that's how he got started on his television path.
1: No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Man yeah so I, that's that's probably one of the my top i would say three shows from the 80s right that's got to be up there and then now you got me thinking I always had to watch Knight Rider too. Knight Rider was
0: great. Sure, sure, sure.
1: Yeah, it was great. That, that, well, I was still, I was go- going through elementary school when Knight Rider was kind of in its heyday and man, there was nothing cooler.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: I always <laughs> wanted a car that would talk to me. Now I have a phone that talks to me and I don't, I don't like it. I don't want to No, I don't want it to, want talk, to, to talk to me. No, no, stop talking to me. No, yeah. I already, <laughs> you know, she's already, she either doesn't understand what I'm saying or she's telling me things I already know. So. You shouldn't talk about Aaron that way. Yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> I, sorry, I didn't. Yeah, I shut Siri off. Siri off. I don't, yeah, use, I don't no, use Siri. I hate that stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, so you know what the other one was that, uh, and I, I forget the name of it, I think it was only on for a season, maybe two seasons. And this, uh, again, going back to my, my theater background or whatever, maybe this was part of it. There was some show, it was a high, it was set in high school, but like every once in a while they would break out into song. Like it wasn't billed as a musical show. And maybe it was just like these three characters would always break out in musical into music. I, I I wish I had a better memory of what it was, but again, I think it was only on for like a season maybe, but I thought that was
1: super cool. Yeah. I think, uh, before we lose everybody, we should talk now about, (laughs) (laughs) We still have the theater crowd
0: <laughs> listening right now.
1: <laughs> no, sorry. I I have an appreciation for uh for the theater, but But uh, admittedly a little bit is lost on on me because I was gonna say my third favorite show was probably Fantasy Island.
0: Oh, that was great. I loved Fantasy
1: Island. Okay. There's no music. No, no music like that. I
0: always watched Fantasy Island and Love Boat. They were like back to back, I think, weren't they? Like in the lineup or something.
1: Yeah. I loved both of those. Yeah. The plane, the plane. Yeah, yeah, I Mm. loved it. Um, I think they made a terrible movie with that recently. There was a movie. Yeah, yeah, but it was like a horror movie instead. Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. It's a perfect setup for a horror movie, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Fantasy Island. Dun dun dun. (laughs) Okay, so Matt. Matt, Yes. I have a really important question for you. (laughs) Yeah. Will tell me this. Tell me. And don't lie to me. Mm-hmm. Will strength training make you bulky? I don't want to be bulky to run.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. So here's, uh, first off, I'm going to just review what I did because I'm certainly not, um, a mass monster by any means, but, uh, I have gotten that feedback before is, um, aren't you a little bit big for, uh, for a runner, right? And, I think that sometimes the the thought is, well, this guy is saying all this stuff is going to be good for me to do, but he's a little bit bigger even than I would want to be. So what you have to look at is my background. I, after I realized that my ten thousand meter days were over and I wasn't uh, any longer going to pursue the marathon, et cetera, I decided that I wanted to uh, to get bigger, and uh, at that point. I really didn't know much about strength training, but I had a strength coach when I was in San Antonio for a little while, and his objective was really more, I would think, bodybuilder-based. And that's how little really we knew back then about strength training, because here I was a runner doing bodybuilder sets and reps and things like this. So I can share with you off the bat, at that point, I was trying to Qualify and get myself, um, you know, a potential spot for like the 10,000 meters or maybe even the marathon. And I can tell you that type of training, I didn't get bulky. Um, I was just exhausted all the time and way yeah. too sore all the time. And it affected my running. So we can talk about sets and reps and, and how we mix those things in properly, just so that you can properly recover and focus on your running. Right. So that is important. Um, because I'm going to throw a stone here, but I have to admit, I couldn't help but ordering a few other programs now that we've launched our R3 program, just to kind of see what else is out there. Product research. Yes, right. And even what I would say from What I feel like um, coaches that kind of know their craft and they are very good at uh, training explosive athletes, you know, football players, shot putters, Olympic lifters, things like that. Um, And of course, the big three looking at uh, the squat, the deadlift, the bench press, those kind of those kind of coaches they certainly have their expertise, but there's very few coaches, I think, in the business that really the the idea is to just get to support running. And so that's where I think even those programs I reviewed, um, I I felt like they just didn't get it, yeah. um, which also gives me some pleasure knowing that we do have a program like this out there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't, again, it's... Um, putting this product, these products out there in R3, of course, we have a business and we do need to sell programs. But guys, I can't stress enough is what I put into these programs is knowing, first of all, what didn't work and learning that the hard way for many, many years even, and then learning what did work going through that process so that I can cut that out and make sure that the people doing strength training Um, for running or for triathlon for endurance events, that it's really going to complement that goal and not take away from it.
0: What's funny about that to me is what have human beings been doing the longest? Running? (laughs) And it's taken us this long? I mean, because we have spent a lot of, you know, at least recent human history training for things, you know, trying to get stronger so you can do lift that rock higher or whatever. But, but the thing that we're sort of made to do, which is run, we didn't, we haven't figured out, not that we're reinventing any wheels here, but you know, we haven't really figured out the best way to support that activity, which is basic to human beings.
1: Well yeah and and unfortunately we are it it comes down to money a lot of times right because i've lost track of how many high school kids i've worked with and they go into college and they start these strength programs as a endurance athlete as a cross country runner as a track athlete and they are just basically doing a cookie cutter routine uh, for their strength. It's really just the football strength program. And then they're just d- doing maybe a few less overall sets sure. or reps. If it works for a football player. It must work for uh-huh. you, right? And uh, so that that does, I think, a lot of harm, especially when you're talking about uh, the perception of what strength can do right. when it's done for the right reasons and for a runner. So we'll talk about that. But the other end of it on my side of things, when I was deciding I wanted to get a bit bigger, I wanted to be a firefighter and I ended up going into hot shotting. Now, you don't need a lot of size for hot shotting, but I certainly needed to be stronger to carry a chainsaw and carry a 40 pound pack for, I mean, some of our shifts were um, over a day long, right? And so you need to have that a little bit of additional strength for that reason. So again, now we're discussing a different capacity than mm-hmm. than running. But when I when I did that, I made a lot of mistakes still. I would say that the biggest thing was my nutrition because when I was trying to get bigger for a while, I just simply wasn't taking enough calories to grow enough muscle. Uh-huh. Now, with the running side of things, because I was used to doing so much running, I knew I had to cut out as much running and really because I had so many injuries um, from running that I was able to take some time to recover from those injuries and take time off of running and noticing that I was getting bigger because I wasn't spending as many of those calories out on my runs. Now... Building muscle is expensive, so most of those calories could now go towards putting on muscle. But that being said, I learned and learned and was able to get a little bit more progress for just muscle size. But especially I decided one year that I was going to try some, uh, some modeling, right. And so that was just for me, good money to make between my hot shot seasons. So I went right into a bodybuilding plan, learned a little bit more about how much I needed to take in calorie wise, how often I needed to strength training, how to do split body parts and make Get into more of a bodybuilding routine, I did all that, and I got to 200 pounds. Now, as a as a 10k slash marathon runner, I was under 150 pounds, so that was now and 50 pounds of mass. Six foot two six foot two. two. And I put on 50 pounds of mass. I, uh, I did it naturally, but it took me a couple years to do that, but I hit my genetic limit and there was, there was at that point, I had learned quite a bit about strength training and about nutrition and about recovery. And, um, I'm, I'm sure that I probably could have made a little more progress, but I definitely got closer to that ceiling. Maybe not my limit, but I was pretty close to that ceiling and I wasn't going, I didn't have the genetics to look like, you know, Ronnie Coleman or something. I I, was never going to happen with or without steroids, by the way, Right? just not going to happen. I wasn't built for that. I was built to run, but, uh, after, after that, after doing some of that modeling and and things like that, and realizing that, especially, I realized um, I I'm not going to be able to pursue this anymore because I had my one shot with Men's Health at the time. They talked to me about being in the magazine, and they said we need you to put 20 more pounds of muscle on, and that's when I was <laughs> 200 pounds. And by the way, body fat wise, a lot of people, um, if you're looking at a shredded bodybuilder out on the stage in that one peak day, they are going to be under 5%. That is so unhealthy. It's and it's not a great place to be. Yeah. Okay. So when I say my body fat was under 10%, it was that says about as lean as you want to be. But I, I did get myself pretty close to that 5% at 200 pounds. And that was all really through nutrition and training, but mainly the nutrition is how I learned to get really, really lean, but didn't feel great. And certainly couldn't even go out for a run at that point because I didn't have enough padding, enough fat on the bottom of my feet. I mean, I remember it used to hurt for me to just stand for too long period of time. My body fat was too, so low and my muscle mass was too high. Right? And I say all that too, because it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good to train my body to do something it really wasn't meant to do. But it took a lot of effort. And I stuffed a lot of calories down my throat. I mean, you're talking about 5000 calories a day and and a lot of, um, you know, uh, I, I, I would say that Um, a lot of focus just on how I can grow more. Right. Yeah. And so your whole, everything gets centered around that. And then even then, like I said, I, I was not, you wouldn't have mistaken me for a bodybuilder. Um, so, you know, when I go back to running and I get done with hot shotting and then I eventually got into competition again, where I'm now competing, especially I like to compete in things like trail races, things like that. Um, I have, raced where I get down into the one uh, high 160s, about 167 to 169, somewhere in there. It's not an exact number. I don't personally shoot for it, but I say that because When I increase my running volume, then my body starts to adapt to its environment and it starts to lean out more. But there is a certain amount of mass that I intentionally put on for years that does sort of I do hold on to a certain base now at this point that um, I probably would be a good, let's say, 20 pounds lighter had I never intentionally done that, Mm -hmm. okay? So it is possible to get bigger, but I don't believe it's possible to get bigger if you're running a lot of miles because, again, the body only has so much time and energy to give, and muscle is really expensive to grow. So even if you are doing a routine that's more bodybuilder-esque, if you are still putting in the miles and you're putting in those workouts and those sessions for your running, then your body really doesn't have the uh, it doesn't have the calories to give to grow that extra muscle. But I would say at that point you're overreaching and you could even get injured because you're just constantly under recovering. Right. Right. I so- think that's
0: the big thing too talk about the recovery aspect of what it means to strength train in conjunction with running. And we talk about that uh, a lot of times when I'm talking to our subscribers and they're asking me questions about how often they should be putting in strength training. And and what we want to focus on in the delivery of of R3 is that it really does complement what they're trying to do, which is the running or the endurance sport.
1: Yeah, that's right. And Looking at things like your time under tension and your reps and your overall sets, we designed these progressions to where we can still share this formula that anybody can use in your own training we're trying to pick a couple really good compound movements that will help. So for example, if you are working on your Bulgarian squat, right? So that's like that one we talk a lot about because it really has a high relative rate for your running. So that's where you're on that single leg, your leg, your legs on the ground, single leg, your other leg is behind you on a bench or something. And so your back leg is elevated and then you're essentially doing a version of a single leg squat, right? Mm -hmm. And it looks very much like your gait. So that's, uh, I bring that one up a lot just because it's easy for people to visualize, I hope on the podcast. So that is one that we can talk about as an example is I have seen runners trying to essentially just go, um, either too heavy too soon or too many, uh, overall sets, right? So what we want to look at here in general is getting in a few good sets overall, but I'll generally say, okay, do two to four sets. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, why do I say do two to four? Well, because there might be a day where we generally will have strength training after a quality run, right? So after a tempo run or after, um, let's say a measured run, like eight hours or so, right? uh, no, 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 we, we actually, um, well, I'll get to that. You're thinking okay. of the recovery aspect of oh, things, sure. but I'm getting to, uh, say you have a tempo run in the morning or you have a measured track run, you're doing like 200 repeats or something like that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to hopefully have time to go home, get some, uh, g- you know, get some food in you, get some rest, maybe about four hours or eight hours later you're going to get in your strength session. So those of you that have a day job, which most of us too, you might, you would prioritize that tempo run or that measured track run first thing in the morning. you do that, then you go to work. And then later that day, you're hitting the gym on your way home, or maybe you just have a home gym, whatever it is, you've spaced that out, but we actually want to get it in on the same day so that you have more time now to recover. And that's what you're thinking of. We want a good 48 hour recovery window. So So we'll maybe do our strength training on a Monday and a Thursday. Mm, Yeah. Okay. But now let's talk about the sets though. That's what I was getting to before is you might've had a harder tempo run. Let's say that you've built up the amount of volume you're doing in that tempo run. And that's like your peak tempo run that you're doing in your phase you may not have the energy later on in the day to do all four sets. If you're used to doing, let's say four sets, you can now cut it down to two sets or maybe three sets. So you're doing 50 to 75% of the volume now. That's why we like to give a range. Now, the other reason why we like to give a range is because when you first start out, I always suggest that you start with the minimal effective dosing. So will your body get enough out of two sets in the beginning? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as you get more fit and as you will become a more experienced lifter, then doing four sets really doesn't take much out of you. Right. And you might be able to do that. But but understand that window I talked about or that opportunity to say, just because I can do four sets today, should I? Right. Right. Sure. Um, and it's pretty easy too to 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 register if you're paying attention. That's where the FIT principle comes in. So that's focused intentional tension technique torque training, right? And that what that really comes down to is I'm noticing today that on that Bulgarian squat that I'm doing, I might normally uh, let's say be using a 50 pound dumbbell for five to seven reps. Okay. Now you notice I said five to seven reps. So that has good uh, intensity for me. Right. And I'm able to really focus on getting stronger, but I'm not doing so many reps in that case where it's really just fatiguing me out breaking me down. Okay. And keeping good form and keeping good form. So I'm going to just basically get in good five to seven reps. And in that position, I'm thinking about the two to three rep and reserve rule, which means that if I get to seven reps with 50 pounds, I could have done 10 if I really pushed it in one set. And if I get to that, uh, let's say I'm using that 50 pounds and that day, I get to say five reps. And I'm like, I think I'm actually going to stop here because I'm already at my two to three reps in reserve. I think I could probably only do seven or eight reps today instead of 10. That's an indication that you're more fatigued, right? And or if you went up in weight and now you're getting used to a new weight, that might be another reason to keep it to, say, five reps instead of going to seven reps, right? And making the sets really high quality, which means, again, I might choose to do, say, three sets instead of going to four sets. So those things are all important to consider because we tend to lose our form and we lose our capacity for intentional tension and training if we are really fatigued to begin with, Mm -hmm. right? So just frequency is important. So just getting in that workout, even if it's getting in a couple sets, and that's going to be, favorable to keep you strong and to maintain what you have built. And when you have, uh, easier training progressions, when you are not pushing the envelope as as hard in your threshold training or in your rep work on the track, that sort of stuff, then you have the opportunity now maybe to get in additional sets, right? So Mm -hmm. that's where the programming can work really well for anybody. But all that being said, the bodybuilder kind of approach where you're working on separating a lot of muscle groups. That's where you won't see that kind of stuff in, in R three, right? We're getting muscles to work together. We're training, we're training movements. We're not training muscles as much.
0: How many bench press, how many bench
1: presses do
0: we have in the program?
1: (laughs) Yeah, we, we, we have none and you won't, you won't see a traditional bench press in, in, uh, in Macro Progression 2, you're going to see a, uh, a version that is more functional for a runner. But it is still with uh, the running gait in mind because you know there's no bad movements, but we can modify a movement. So um, <laughs> you said bench press, so now I got to explain: <laughs> you're pinning your shoulders back in a bench press, whereas in running you need those shoulder blades moving freely. But there's the, but there's absolutely everything right with getting stronger in that push. Progression that push capacity, we need that, but we just need to do it in a version where our scaps can still move freely, and we can train that push plus for that serratus anterior. That's really important for runners, and that's that what we call that. Uh, they call it the boxer's muscle, but I also it might as well be called the runner's muscle, right? Yeah. It's heavily involved with protraction of your scap. So you know that being said, um, sticking with movements that are going to give you a ba- better bang for your buck doing the right movements can really save you a lot of time but i when i say the right movements are other movements bad no but just keep in mind that the big 3 your squat your deadlift your bench press when those are heavily focused in a program um i feel like if you are going if your goal is to get overall mass on you and you're going to eat enough calories and you're going to really focus on lifting heavier and heavier and heavier. And that is the goal. And you're not running uh, you know, fifty miles a week, and 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 that's really not the priority. Then great, but that's not what our three listeners are trying to do, right? Right. So I do want to point out that we do give accumulation higher reps in our program, especially in the beginning. There's more time under tension, and so we generally will see that with a don't mistake that with a bodybuilding program. So in other words, um, for hypertrophy bodybuilders, a lot of times are doing higher reps. Okay. But, We're giving you higher reps in the beginning so you gain coordination and control and confidence in the movements before we go heavier, before we go to more intensity. So, the weights that we use and the intensities we use, if you follow our reps in reserve for your strength training, if you follow our rate of perceived effort that we explain about. Working with weights that are going to be sub maximal, then that's going to allow you to gain that coordination and control with the higher reps. But again, it won't get you bulky. It's not going to do that unless you're intentionally adding a lot more uh, progressions towards that hypertrophy. And that's, again, not something that we focus on. So just understand that higher reps are not bad, but they should have a reason for them and they should. Should be timed so that they are progressed, making you or giving you the capacity to go with that more intensification, that heavier weight with less reps. So I just wanted to explain that part because there's a lot of misconceptions about how many reps you should be doing. There's the truth is that all rep ranges are good to me. It's just, are you doing them at the right time for the right reasons? And of course, we give you those progressions in our programs as well. So we do wanna get stronger and we shouldn't be afraid of the iron, we shouldn't be afraid of the strength just remember that what we're talking about here is that the body does adapt. Thermodynamics will always be the same. Calories in versus calories out. We want most of those calories to go towards our running, but we do wanna save some room for our our strength capacities to support our running. And you should listen to the prior podcast when we talked more specifics about that. If you haven't already, that was, I think, two podcasts ago. And uh, other than that, like I just wanna reiterate that there are some people that can have better genetics for growing muscle. So, say somebody out there is training for a marathon, but you know they they used to play football in high school or something. You know, um, you know they might have gravitated towards football in high school because they were explosive and they were good at it. And then um, you have that other person like me that gravitated towards cross country because um, yeah, you know, I could I I couldn't even. I couldn't even take a hit, um, you know. If I were to try to try out for the football team, uh, one play and I'd be one and done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the, the the genetics for that. I wasn't really built for that, and so that's where when you look at you go to a marathon, you might see somebody who's really lean, and you think, okay, all of that um, all of that running. Gets you really lean, right? And that person probably doesn't strength train, right? They actually might uh, be way stronger than you would ever think they would be. I've had several runners that um, you'd be surprised that you know they can do over 20 pull-ups. They can do um, they can do single-leg squats. They can do things that uh, even a lot of Uh, bodybuilders, they might look good, but it's, it's aesthetic. It's not athletic, right? A lot of bodybuilders can't even do that. So they can't express that kind of strength that way. But when you look at that athlete that is really lean and mean out there, and they look like a running machine, they also probably were born to run right they were designed for that right and then you have the other uh people who decide that they want to take up running because you can't really like once you play football say you go all the way to the pro level right but what when you're done with football what are you what are you going to do after that right there's uh running is unique in that it doesn't, you you don't even need um, a team with you, right? You can go out and just run on your own. So a lot of people that were explosive athletes will take up that type of uh, a goal. And especially if they were really goal-driven to say, yeah, I want to attack that marathon. So you yeah. might see that bigger athlete out there, but they probably have lost a lot of muscle um, because they prioritized the running. They probably are a smaller version of they used to be. Yeah, um, so you know that's where we don't really we can't really just look at somebody and say, well, that that person is doing a marathon and they're bigger, or you take a triathlete that has more size. Like I look a little bit more like maybe an Ironman triathlete with the size I put on, right? Well, water is uh, a thousand times denser than air. So every time they're swimming, they're creating that kind of, with that density, they're creating a kind of strength training approach, right? When you're doing a lot of biking, it's building your legs up, right? So triathletes are a little bit bigger, but they don't do nearly as much running as a pure runner. Right. And so, you know, just keep in mind that really, if you were to put on mass, it would be very focused, very expensive for you to do as far as your calories go. And you probably would not have the energy to go out and do all your runs. So really prioritize the runs is my point. Prioritize the sets, reps and movements that you're doing so that it is supporting your running goals. And you're not going to bulk up, you're going to actually even potentially get a little bit leaner and meaner because your body is amazing at adapting to that. So I'll Finish up with this thought is if you have gotten stronger and an Olympic lifter versus a bodybuilder, right? You see a lot of Olympic lifters that aren't very big, right? But they're incredibly strong, right? So when you get really strong, that allows you to increase that capacity. So again, we had we just had a show we released about that. And When you do that and you're able to now go longer because you're stronger, now you're streamlining your body. It's adapting to that new capacity or that stimulus more than anything else. And so the body wants to be efficient and it makes decisions that I'm going to focus my progress towards running faster. And that is the point. So don't be afraid of the weights. The weights are only going to help you as long as you follow Um, really what I would say is a more thoughtful approach for a runner, right? And that's, that's the difference. That's what I hope you got from this today. And, um, we train normally maybe two times a week with our runners. And then the other days, again, it's more about getting in the daily protocol to connect the dots, but really most of our training is focused obviously around getting you a better run.
0: So, to sum up, don't bulk, but do get some strength with relative run readiness. You can check us out on the web at pendolaproject.com, P-E-N-D-O-L-A, and on the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Twitters and the YouTubes and all that stuff. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time.